All right, so you can all take your bulletins and uh, see which direction is up and down. So my wife, who does so many things, and she's really good at it, and she goes, hey, can you go take those and make sure you uh, put them in the way that they're, I don't know, the direction is supposed to go, and then hit the, the continue button or whatever. So I get there, and I look at them, and I see that they're kind of off, and you know how I'm kind of a perfectionist. It's like, oh, no, they got to be like, so I grab them real quick, and I go like this, and it didn't get quite, and then I twist, and now I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> was it this way, or was it this way? And I go, and I'm, I'm trying to hold it like I'm thinking, okay. I ask my wife, is it going this way or this way? And she looks at me. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm going to go and guess. Well, I guess wrong. <laughs> so you got this side's up and this side's what is Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it has the information kind of there. But um, one of the things was my wife asked me is she goes, hey, what's going on with evening assembly and Wednesday? I'm like, hmm, I don't know. So I will ask evening assembly. Are we on at the Kirkpatrick's, correct? Yeah. And potluck at 5.30. Okay, potluck at 5.30 at the Kirkpatrick's. And then Wednesday, um, everything on and at the Kirkpatrick's as well. Okay. And I will start updating your wife on the, that information. Okay, yeah. She's, okay, good deal, yeah. She's really good because I don't know how to run that computer. Uh, you would be without bulletins for sure. <laughs> or, or be like the little Quran type ones. <laughs> or something to that effect. Uh, let's see, we got upcoming events, Pumpkin Spice Bazaar, October 28th, and then Oregon Family Camp um, this next year in February. Um, any other announcements? We have a holiday tomorrow night. It's just going to be um, eating games or something like that. Eating and games college age tomorrow night at the Comptons. They're on. Mm. Ooh. Mm. Mm. Okay. <laughs> If nothing else, it looks like we got some birthdays. Andrew Warren, 918, he got away without getting sung happy birthday to. And uh, so we'll have to put that one off. Oh, Melissa Winningham has a birthday. The birthday girl is in the Oh, yeah, she's doing the happy dance back there. I can see uh, I'll attest to that. She thinks she got away with it, but no. Okay. I want to see that happy dance out here, Melissa. <laughs> Oh, hey, here she comes. Look, look, there's a happy dance. <laughs> so she can hear us sing happy birthday. So let's sing happy birthday to Melissa. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. All righty. So, if there's nothing else, we'll get started here and get right in. So, um, part two of uh, last week's lesson, and uh, you know, it's like I kind of told you last week, you know, you watch one of those TV show things, you get there, and it's not like I watch that much TV or anything, and then all of a sudden it's got this, you're looking at the clock, and it's like, there's no way they can wrap this up, you know, and then sure enough. Dung. 
And they got this part two thing. And I'm like, ah, really? <sighs> so hopefully, though, my uh, each lesson was uh, a lesson in of itself, but definitely a, a building block here. And uh, if we turn to Philippians chapter 2, do a little recap. And the, the title of my lesson last week was Jesus the Man, the Example. And I was kind of doing a spinoff from uh, my lessons, or uh, my lesson up at Men's uh, Peaks. Uh, change things up just a little bit. <clears throat> but Jesus the man. And we went and showed that Jesus truly was a man. Okay, and, and it's very, very important. And very, very important as we look further this morning as Scott's message in awe and reverence that just, oh my goodness, it's just beyond what you can just think about. It's just so amazing. And, uh, or you're going to have that kind of awe this morning. But we really have to establish that fact that Jesus came as a man. It wasn't like, hey, he had special privileges, you know. It says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. So, Jesus had an attitude. Okay? Jesus had an attitude. Amen. Humility of mind and looking out for others' interest, yours and mine. And said, who although he existed in the form of God. Remember, Jesus with, was with his Father in glory. And I can't even imagine what that's like. But there's privileges that come with being God. Okay? But Jesus laid that aside. It's like, hey, we got this plan, Dad. Okay. And this is the only way it's going to work. And I got to do this. And I'm going to do it. And what does he do? He exists in the form of God, but he did not regard equality with thing with God, a thing to be grasped or utilized or asserted. He didn't assert, he didn't utilize the power, the, the thing about being God, the Son of God. It said, but emptied himself or laid aside his privileges. The privilege of being the Son of God. The privilege of being in glory. No darkness. Nothing. He laid that all aside. Why? Because of the attitude. The attitude that you and I. And a humble attitude. Know another passage where Jesus girded himself about? King of kings and Lord of lords and wash dirty, stinky feet. And taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Now that's the thing, is it's like obedient to what? 
the plan to his father. Two, when he was a man, he had to learn everything, had to go through everything like you and I. He had to learn the scriptures. I mean, the whole shebang. All the way through to the point of death, even death on the cross. We looked at Matthew in Matthew chapter 26 where Jesus was in the garden. We talked about him being tempted. We talked about how one passage says God cannot be tempted. But the other passage says that Jesus was tempted in all things as you and I, yet without sin. Well, how can that be? Because if he's God, he can't be tempted. Because, well, you know, some people might say, well, that's an oxymoron. The scriptures contradict themselves. Well, no. If you go to this Philippians passage and the other passages we talked about last week, it's one of the privileges that Jesus laid aside to, to be tempted. God can't be tempted. That's a privilege. And he laid aside that privilege. I don't know about you. I don't like being tempted. I don't like going through those things. Wouldn't that be such a sweet thing? Tempted by evil. No. Jesus had to. So we established that he was a man. We established how he all the way through to the end, he set his face like flint. And in the garden, sweating drops of blood, being in anguish. And what did he do? He says, not my will, but your will be done. Will, desire. If you look at that in the Greek, it's desire. Not my desire, but your desire, Father. Jesus had a desire. It's like, hey, I, I don't want to go through with this. If there's any other way. Sometimes in our own lives, it's like, you know, I kind of want to do this. I want to kind of do that. But what's the attitude? And to the point of what? And is striving against sin, shedding his blood. Because he doesn't want us to grow weary and lose heart. But to sit, fix our eyes on him. And he says, for you have yet to shed your, your blood and your striving against sin. Jesus strove all the way through the finish line. He did all those things. He suffered. He bled and he died. He was tempted, carried away and enticed, yet without sin. You see, all these amazing things. But then it comes to my lesson today. The, and it's the motivating factor. So what was behind Jesus? Why did Jesus do what he did? What was the driving factor? What was the motivating factor for Jesus to face temptation, to endure temptation, to be carried away and enticed, to be obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross? To be betrayed, to have to strive against sin, to suffer. What, what was behind that? What, what motivated him? You know, going through all the different emotions, fear and anguish. And then fighting against his own desires. Because he says there in the garden, not my will, but your will be done. You know, to humble yourself to the point of, no, the Father's will. 
You know, was it fear that drove him? Was it duty? Salute and execute? Was that what motivated Jesus? Is that what gets it done? What motivates you? Why are you doing what you're doing? It's always the question I pose. Ask questions. Ask questions of yourself. Well, what did I do? What am I doing? Why am I doing it? Why are you here this morning? Why did you come around the table? We talked about to the world, this, this is foolishness. This is a bunch of wackiness. Y'all doing out there, taking your day up on Sunday, going and doing those things. That's weird. And you might think in the back of your mind, why am I doing it? Why do I get up Sunday mornings and come out here? Why do I meet with the saints? Why not go do what you want to do? Why? Oh, well, man, I'm going to go to hell if I don't. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what? You're, you're messed up. It's a bad day for you tomorrow. If you didn't get here at the right time and you didn't just like partake of Lord's Supper and you didn't just like have the right mindset and is that what pushes you? Is that what drives you? Is that gets get you to do? You guys obey mom and dad because you have to. Well, I have to. Well, is that what mom and dad want? Do they want you to to do what they ask out of because you have to? Or is there something else that they would like to see? What motivates you to respond when they ask you to do something? To follow through, even though it's hard. So there's fear. Sometimes it's duty. You know, the soldiers. Why are they going to march across this field when it's like, oh my goodness, we're going, there's a, I can see all those guns. I'm going to die. I'm like, no, I'm going to go up around the hill and sneak up there. I'm not going to go across that. You're crazy. But no, it's that duty. You know, salute and execute. Is that why you do what you do? Is it like, okay, I can do that? Are there other things? Is it like, oh, no, I'm just checking the boxes. It makes me feel good. You know, for a lot, it is true. You come here and you're around people and you see people do the happy dance like Melissa and stuff. And it's like, yes, it makes me feel good. Or it's a checking the box because that I am good because I did that. I'm a good person when I do this. The world does a lot of amazing things. People do some incredible work. And they give a lot of money. They go across the world and uh, in infested areas with bugs and all sorts of disease. And uh, they give their time, energy, and effort. What's the motivator? Is it, well, it makes me feel good. I'm doing something good. You know, there's some things that the devil uses to get people Right in that area. Well, I'm a good person because look at all the things that I did. I'm worthy because of A, B, C, and D. You see how there are different things that may motivate people? And that is a good thing in the sense of it's a byproduct when you follow Jesus and do it His way. 
There are things like, yes, it feels good. It should make you feel good to being kind to other people, following godly principles. There are blessings, but it should not be the motivator. And if it isn't, if one of those other things is the motivator, you won't get it through. You won't finish the course as Jesus did. Let's take a look at the motivators. 1 Corinthians 13. And we're not going to look at one part as you might think. We're going to look at the first part. Starting in verse 1. It says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Boy, if I got that flattering voice, you know. Man, he is a cool dude. He can talk. You know, kind of those radio announcers. It's like, man, that... You ever see those guys? Sometimes you see them and it's like, it doesn't match what you hear in their voice sometimes, you know? But it's amazing, that voice. Or people who can sing, you know? Not that that's a bad thing, no. But if you do that, if that's all about who you are, but you, have, you don't have love, you become a noisy gong and a claiming symbol. You know, you hear some of those televangelists or some of these other things, and, uh, boy, it's the farthest thing from the truth. But man, it is. It sings happy, boy. It's, it's like a pretty good voice out there. But what's the motivator? Sometimes the almighty dollar. Maybe it's a lack of the truth and knowledge. But if they don't have love, if there's a different motivator... It's their noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, oh boy, a good preacher, and know all mysteries and all knowledge, smarty pants, boy, you got it figured out, right down to the T. And if you have all faith, boy, I'm telling you what, you are so sure, so convinced, the substance in your life, you can move mountains. Whoo, say that mountain and go. But do not have love, I'm nothing. Nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and I surrender my body to be burned, boy, you can sacrifice a lot. You can go through all sorts of things. But if love's not the motivator, if love's not that which drives, it profits me nothing. Let's take a look this morning here and we will see the motivating factor for Jesus and for God. And we're going to see God first a little bit and then Jesus and then we're going to continue on and then switch into asking the question, what about us? Ephesians 2.4 But God being rich in mercy, God, talking about God here. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Because, because, why? His great love. 
with which he listens. It's like when you, we could go to passage after passage after passage. But what was the motivator for God? His love for us. Romans 5. Verses 6 through 8. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God, God, demonstrates his own love towards us that in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John 3.16, one of the greatest verses that are quoted all the time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved that he gave. What motivated his giving? What motivated him to send his son? It was love. Love for you and I. And as Scott was talking about awe and reverence, it's like Bill's been talking about that awe, reverence, fear. It's like, does that blow you away that God in glory with his son and yet we who had become enemies, who had deserted him, go off to do our own thing. Enemies, dark, sinful, gross, yet he loved us. John chapter 5. Starting in verse 19. Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he, is do, he himself is doing, and the Father will show him greater works than these, so that you will marvel. So, the Son can't do anything that he doesn't see what the Father's doing. Well, what's the Father doing? Loving us. Jesus sees his heavenly Father loving us. And what for whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. So, as Dad does, so do I. What about us? And the Father loves the Son. You know, if any of you are parents, it's like, man, you love those kiddos, right? And, and they might mess up and everything else, but that doesn't stop your love for them. If you truly love your children, nope, you'll always love them. God loves us so much, and the Son does what the Father does. Which, what is that? Also loving us.
chapter 14, verse 31, John 14, 31. Um, I'll start in verse 30. I will not, and this is Jesus speaking, I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of this world is coming and has nothing in me. But so that the world may know that I love the Father. So, here we get this, so that, the why. So that the world, why, why is he doing this? Why is he saying this? Why is this happening here? So that the world may know that I love the Father, But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. So we see that love is motivated in a few different ways. It's reciprocal. One is he's an imitator of his Father, but also his reciprocal love for his Father. Just like I was telling the kids here. It's like, Mom and Dad, is it out of duty? Is it out of fear that you... Do what your dad says? No. That's because you love your parents. You love them. And that's why you follow through. Well, Jesus, same way. And he wanted the world to know that he loved the Father. Just like the Father loved him, he was loving the Father. And he was doing exactly as his Father said. How about John 15, verses 8 through 11? My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, and I, I have also loved you, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So here he is, just like we've been talking about. Now it, it rolls down. God the Father, motivator, the same thing that brings you joy. You got this low battery thing popping up here. Does that matter? Or do you got to plug it in? Or do you care? I just power on through. Yeah. Somebody just asked you. All your friends go, hey, that country boy speaker, what, what else did he say? <laughs> All righty. So Romans chapter 8. It's kind of cool though, Eric. It's like when the low battery thing, you don't see your face in there. It just says low battery. <laughs> Why didn't I get the low battery? Yeah. <laughs> Romans chapter 8. Maybe it's telling me something. I'm on low battery. Romans chapter 8. In verse 31 through 39. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Who's messing with my kids? Don't you dare mess with my kids. I love them. I sent my son. My son died. We love them so much. And it's the precious blood of Jesus that was paid. Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, will distress, the distresses in your life, 
the trials, the tribulations that you're going through, are they going to separate, separate you from God's love for you? Is persecution going to separate you? Famine, nakedness, apparel, or sword? Just as written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, the tribulation, the distresses, all that stuff, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. How are you going to conquer? One is recognizing in tremendous awe the love that God and the Son have for us. He left glory and came as a man, stayed the course all the way through the finish line for you and I. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Kind of sounds like a motivator, right? You know, I have life in Christ Jesus. But what's, what is it? What's the thing behind there? We're, we know love by this. What God loved us first, right? And he's given us life. And we see all those things. You as kids, you see your mom and dad who truly love you and they're loving you like they should. And you start to recognize that. Then what happens? It's not out of duty. It's not out of fear. It's not out of, oh, mom and dad, it's a, hey, I get the good box, you know. No, you love mom and dad back. And as much as we as parents, that's what we want. That's how we want our kids to respond. Why would God be any different in that? Why, does he want us to respond out of that? Oh, I'm going to go to hell if I don't. Or, uh, you know what, i, I got to check the box. Or whatever the case may be. No, he wants that reciprocal love. He wants that relationship. And he demonstrated it to us. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Start in verse 14. For the love of Christ, the love of Christ controls us. Control, motivate. Why are you doing what you're doing? What, what, when you heard that good news, that there was hope, was it like the message of, uh, I'm going to go to hell if I don't go to... It's like, now it's just another law system. Immersion and all the different things that go along, it's just checking the boxes. It's like, there wasn't a response out of love. What should control you? What should motivate your response in being obedient? 
Why was Jesus obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross? There's so much at stake. You and his love for you. That's what controlled. Why in the garden? Why did he not up and run? Because it's like, Father, if there's any other way, I don't want to do this. Not my will, not my desire. Because at the time, the desire was, ah, no, that's, that's a bad place. I don't want to go for it. But if there's no other way, your desire be done. Can we say that of our own lives? Jesus, not my will, not my desire, but your will be done because I love you. You love me and you did all these things to dine for me. And I want to be obedient. I want to be obedient like your son did to the point of death. And I want it to love to be the motivator, the controller of why I do what I do. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Why did Jesus set his face like flint? It was love. The love of the Father and his love for the, the Father and his love for us. And he wants us to be a part of that and that to be the motivator for us so that we would live for him. That we would be obedient, but it should be the, the love of God that controls us. The love of Christ. First Peter, we have two more passages that I want to close with. Actually one. First Peter 1, verses 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wow! What God has done and what we've, we've got in Christ. But then he kind of goes on here. He says, in this you greatly rejoice. We should get excited. We should do the happy dance. And I know for me, that's been something that's been hard lately. It's like, where's my focus been? It's not been like, Scott was talking about this morning, the awe and reverence. Looking at Jesus. Because we should be rejoicing. In this you greatly rejoice, even though, now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Remember, there's nothing that's going to separate you from the love of God. Distresses and stuff can't happen. He's going to love you no matter what. But if... If you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may result, may 
found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you haven't seen him, you love him. The motivator. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. I think we'll go there since we just got a minute here. Ephesians chapter 3. We'll start there in verse 14, but it's kind of uh, in my concluding statement. It's like, I hope and pray that you all be love-driven or love-motivated to finish the course, the goal, to the end, set in your face like faithfully accomplishing His will, His desire. Your hope and your eyes fixed on Him, but all out of love following and being imitators of Jesus. It says here, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, and truly I have been praying that we would get this. I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man. I want you to be strengthened by this. The message that we heard last week and this week from his word, what he did and in awe of him as you start to look at Jesus and the Father and what was accomplished. And then as we look at why, the why behind it. And we should be strengthened. Strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love. What's the thing you're going to be able to stand on? Love. What's the thing that's going to stay? Oh, you could be a Mr. Smarty Pants. You could have the voice of angels. You could all, but there's no love. Boy, I tell you what, that's some shaky ground to be on. That we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Brother and I, I really pray that you might really look and get to know Jesus even more and more each day, to stand in awe of what he's done. If you look at God's word and you see truly he laid aside those privileges that didn't assert his authority, was obedient to the point of death. But why? Love. Love was the motivator. And love should be that which motivates us so that we can glorify him on that day. Go forth and love Christ and love others just like he did. Thank you.